Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, Ask questions and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now... Taz and Paula. So, good afternoon, everybody. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our guest, Reverend Judy Miller Dinst, connected with us a couple of months ago, which brought to the forefront many awesome memories of a Sea Angels conference cruise Paula and I attended in 2006. And there we met Reverend Judy, who presented an outstanding medical intuitive series on our cruise that we both thoroughly enjoyed. And in 2006, we interviewed with her on our show after arriving home from our trip. And today, Reverend Judy shares her new book with us called A Conversion from Mind to Soul. Ah, touching our soul, it gives me goosebumps even saying these words. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Taz. And I'm Paula. Well, Reverend Judy Miller-Dienst is an internationally known metaphysical teacher and lecturer on medical intuition, spiritual healing, and the relationship between the body, mind, and spirit. She is the founder and president of the Mystery School Incorporated in Boulder, Colorado. As an interfaith minister and a longtime student in New Thought, as well as Goddess, Wiccan, in Gnosticism, and Native American traditions, In her book, A Conversion from Mind to Soul, she says there are three steps to recognizing and bringing forth our soul's desire. Not only does she give us the opportunity to respect the mind, but she also imparts a deep cherishing for our universal soul that allows us to move from the mind to the soul and with much ease, grace, and calm flexibility. All I can say is thank you, Reverend Judy. (laughs) for the deliverance of this incredible journey of our soul discovery where we can literally connect with a deep personal awareness within our soul. Actually, I've had a very hard time putting down your book. Uh It brought forward the need to become an active participant in nourishing the soul to a higher degree. We are so excited to have you back with us today again. Reverend Judy, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm so happy to connect with you again. Now, mm-hmm. how long did it take for you to write this book? Well, as I think back into that direction, I think that it's been probably about it's probably about eight or nine years uh, ago when um, I started hearing the 
basic concepts of the book. I've always been writing one thing or another ever since I was a child, but this particular time it felt more, maybe the word is tangible or something, but I just started collecting, uh, listening to, collecting quotes uh, that that um, meant a great deal to me, but also listening to those inner messages from source that would come through as to some of the uh, subjects to um, write about. And 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 during the process, uh, I lost uh, four special people in my life. My youngest brother in 09, um, within a couple of months, I, I lost two other very close, dear friends. And then in 2012, I lost my mother. So... Um, that was very instrumental in what was brought forth in the book, too, as it brought up, of course, a lot of emotions and a lot of opportunities to heal. Yeah. How did you arrive at this title for your book? Well, actually, it it was a little bit of a process, and a dear friend of mine, David, uh, he... He, he mentioned um, one day when we were talking, and I was I was thinking of you know what what it needed to be, and didn't have a sense of it. At one point in the early times, I was thinking it was going to be called the Seven Deadly Sins, and and yet that didn't really feel um, like it, it was the proper title. But one day when David and I were talking, he David's uh, son Todd. Um, is from Florida and he's a very uh, special healer and um uh so he he was led and he said well why not something simple like a conversion from mind to soul and it stuck and it has stuck all the years since mm-hmm. and every time i would uh maybe put it out to somebody saying how does this title feel what do you think of this title and even as i began working with a publisher i said what is this how does this title sound uh, for you know, to the public or whatever, yeah. everybody was voting that it was powerful and they thought it was appropriate. So, yeah, absolutely, yeah, did, it is did powerful. It change your, yeah, did did it change your life during the writing of this book? It very much did. It, um, you know, I think that whenever. I've never written a novel. I've never been drawn to write a novel. Uh, I'm sure that even with that, people bear their souls. But definitely in this book where I'm sharing personal stories, yes, some stories of clients, names have been changed, of course. But as I was becoming vulnerable in that, um, I really had to look at things and really look, look deeply into how I was affected by whatever I was the subject I was writing about, but it really shifted me quite a bit to um, probably in about, let's say, 08 or early 09, I felt as though I was maybe 75% finished with the book, but I was having trouble with the last two chapters, which I thought was quite interesting and sort of funny, because the last two chapters were on who is God and death and dying, and I teach these things, and I counsel, and I was uh, familiar with these things, but it, when it came time to put it on paper and really be able to bring something forward, it didn't feel right. And I was getting messages for a while from clients and friends 
that were saying, Judy, you you should become a minister. And I'd laugh and say, oh, no, 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 I, I have a... I have a business. I don't need another one. And but but source got involved even more than bringing the message through people. And I realized that I needed to just say yes. That always makes my life easier when I say yes to the universe. And um and and sure enough, I was led to a seminary that in New York that I uh began attending. And it was a 2-year program. And, and Source directly gave me the information to put the book aside until I completed seminary. And I said, okay. And I really wanted to complete the book, but I also felt the energy was such that I needed to, again, say yes. So I did. And maybe during that two years, I thought at one point, I wonder if I should go back and look at the book and do some work on it. And I heard, no, wait. And so I did, and and I was ordained in 2011, in June of that year. And in July, I heard, okay, now go back to the book. Well, of course, as I began reading it from the beginning, many things were changed and shifted because I had changed and shifted. And so I I brought through messages probably differently in some ways, brought through additional experiences or whatever. But certainly I had then the information or the feeling or whatever I needed to complete those last two chapters. And so um, the last, really, the last year and a half to close to two years has really been the editing process and... Uh, and, and getting it out into the world. I've never mm-hmm. seen a book so fully packed. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I, no, oh, I, 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 I never. <laughs> oh, good. Huh? I mean, there's meditations, there's stories of you, of people you know and you brought forth their story, and there's prayers, and there. I mean, there, there's so many tools in that book. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. God. It, it's hard. a marvelous book. It's powerful. It is so powerful and so exciting to read. It's like, like I said, you know what, it's very hard to put down. And um, it just, you know, it, it gives you something to really bite into and say, my God, I can really use this in my life. You know, it's just, it, it really is. It's, uh, And not only just one section, is section after section. It's just beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. Um, so this took you actually about eight years or so, I think you said, Uh yeah, to get it together. (laughs) Like birthing a child in eight years. (laughs) I know. And and it felt that way. And it was, and it was really pronounced to me too, that when it finally, actually, when I got the first copy of the proof, um, you know, they, they printed up like it, you know, it's a book. But it is the proof because you have to read all through it again and and make any changes and so forth before they go to the final. But when that arrived, I remember opening that up and holding it to my heart and just going walking back and forth and pacing, just going, "Oh my God, oh my God!" <laughs> it was so <laughs> exciting. And then it was funny because there were changes I need to make and. And uh, as those uh, took place, and, of course, they sent me another proof. When the second one came, I took it out of the box and threw it on the ottoman and went on with my business. 
(laughs) Okay, been there, done that. (laughs) No, it's been an exciting process the whole way. Inside the book, you talk about take a mirror and look at yourself and then say, I love you. Uh Uh-huh. I will you talk about that because I think that's very powerful. Sure, yes. Um I remember this happening at a um a uh, spiritual center that I was at one day and and the minister handed um handed us a mirror and she said I'd like you to look into your eyes and See, I added the part later around saying I love you, but she said, see, you know, look into your eyes and, and and see what you're seeing, you know, feel what you're seeing. But what I witnessed is that I could easily do that, but I had to work on that because many years ago um, I couldn't do that. But I did that and I'd pass the mirror down, you know, I'd go from person to person and many of the people would giggle and pass the mirror on without even looking at themselves in the eye. And so I really heard to write about this because it is a very powerful um, exercise that I would suggest to anybody at any time. It will really tell you where you are on your path. But when you look into your eyes, you get to look past the physical body into the soul that you are. See see those inner children, see these parts of yourself, and when you uh when you do so, look deeply in and say, "I love you," and okay. speak from that um God place within you if and and practice that until it's comfortable, yeah, you talk about exploring your thoughts and possible limitations of of uh your self acceptance. And I I thought that was really powerful. I mean, you know, look at our thoughts throughout the day. And uh, it's just, it was, I think it was beautiful. Um, You know, this is just one little tidbit. (laughs) 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 Oh, oh my goodness. And then you had another section, learning how to say no. Oh, yes. That's (laughs) a really big one. Oh, yes, that's for sure. Uh-huh. It's so important because that's about our healthy boundaries. And there are many people who were not raised with healthy boundaries and therefore they cannot respect anyone else's either. And and what what do we mean by healthy boundaries? Well, the ability to say no that doesn't work for me right now and not feel guilty about it. Not to um allow people to take advantage of us. Codependency can get in there and, and you know, taking care of other people, the fixing and the caretaking, because we're wanting them to have better lives. Uh, those people, maybe they don't like that we're in their lives so much trying to uh, make it better and they can't say no. Or maybe there are people, yes, who want to take advantage and want to use up um, maybe that's not the right term, but maybe use a person and and get what they need, and the person who doesn't have the healthy boundary is going to end up res- uh, resenting them and resenting themselves, and and a lot of anger and negative energy is going to get in there at the same time. Yeah. Well, plus if you're in there buffering, like a mother might buffer something for their their child. 
uh-huh. that doesn't give the uh, the child the experience to learn the lesson. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then you talk. You have another one. I just love it. And uh, it says perfectionism. God doesn't criticize us. Right. <laughs> I love that. And you talk about taking a moment to write down all the ways your inner perfectionist and critic uh, act, acts out and diminishes you. Then take a deep breath and allow yourself to think about all that is good within you right in this moment. And write that down and um, and then find out what you're discovering about yourself. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because we have this imprint that God criticizes us, and I thought that was just that was uh, really beautiful. Yes, you know, many of us have come from traditional, organized religion belief systems, and those. I remember um, our, our family was not religious per se, not not by any means compared to what I know about all that today. But when we would go to church, we would go to a Lutheran church, and of course that is an offshoot of Catholicism. And I never felt good in the church, even as a young child, uh, seeing that man on the cross to me was, you know, human sacrifice or something. I, I did not agree or I didn't feel right. I knew there was something else. It was that my soul knew better. And and so... Um, as as time went on then I'm losing my train of thought here. I'm sorry. What were we talking about there? I went back too far and put myself well, in that Well, it, it's uh, about God doesn't criticize us. Oh, yes. And excuse me. Yes, sorry about that. And so yes, uh and and part of that what I, which I was learning was that God was angry and punishing and and um uh revengeful, etc. That's not my God. I do not believe that whatsoever. And the more I studied religion um, through being an interfaith minister, um, I realized that what I was always tuning into in my beliefs around the loving God that provides us with all that we need according to what we believe. And the gift of the universe, I I use the words interchangeably, universe, God, source, to me it's all that same magnificent energy, that we're given the opportunity of, of choices. I love choices. A big menu is is fun, right, because there's a whole lot of choices. But I like choices in my life. And so when I realized that God gave us those choices and we determine the path of our life by the choices we make and by the, the ways that we act or don't act. And, and so through that then... Um, and studying the different uh, uh, forms of spirituality and as well as organized religion, um, I realized, no, that this God is beautiful, and that's what I speak to. And that's where I, the foundation for the book of, of, of spirituality that is allowing people to love themselves as God loves them. And many people have to work on that, of course, because it's not the way we were raised. And to have permission. Do you think, do you think uh, creating a grateful list, I mean, writing down things that you're grateful 
for creates um, more things to happen gracefully? I definitely believe that gratitude will change a person's life. I believe when I first started out practicing these things many, many, many years ago, I would have to focus on doing some gratitude work. But working up to the place where every day you live in gratitude, every moment, thank you, God, for this space that I live in, thank you for this healthy body, et cetera, et cetera. What I've also is extraordinarily important daily, at least twice a day to begin with, saying gratitudes or writing a gratitude list and then maybe every day adding one more thing to be grateful for. But what I've learned as well that's important about gratitude work, I don't believe that um, we get what we ask for or we get what we pray for. We get what we believe and, and receive from God is what we believe. Not like when, when we make a prayer or say a gratitude, it isn't about trying to get something, but it is about showing gratitude to the source that it is there to provide. You see, it doesn't ask for much. It just asks for gratitude to it for what it does. And don't we all want to be thanked for what we do? for others and so the universe is that way too it's reciprocal and i believe in um giving gratitude the way that that jesus taught and i paraphrase here but it was taught that you give thanks as though you already have that which you want so if you have a health problem by all means say thank you god for my healthy body If you're wanting more abundance in your life, thank you, God, for my financial security and overflowing abundance. You're wanting a new home. You speak to that in the form of thank you, God, for my dream home, for my living in my dream home, and so forth. Because the universe takes everything literally. It doesn't question. It's impersonal. When I first heard that that statement of that uh, God is impersonal, I said, "Oh no, no, no! I want it! I want it! I want it to care! I want it to fix me!" (laughs) But no, that's 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 not the powerful empowerment to us. If that's the way it was, no, we get to look at what we're responsible for, and as we provide that out into the universe, that's exactly what we get. So with the gratitudes of being able to speak to that which we want, giving thanks for that which we want, but we're not saying we want it, we claim it as we have it. The universe always says either yes or not yet, or I've got something better for you. The universe doesn't say no. Mankind limits itself. Mankind judges and criticizes and says no. And so what's important to realize, too, that the subconscious mind, our subconscious mind, works exactly like the universe. That means it takes everything literally. So if you're putting into your subconscious mind, which means you're putting it out into the universe, I am a failure or I uh, can never be happy, I... um, sick with, you fill in the blank and you claim it as your own, Um, 
I was born poor and I'm going to die poor. Whatever it is that we put into our subconscious, it's going to show up in our life. When we put it out into the universe, it's going to show up in our life. When we give gratitude and <clears throat> the universe hears it, it multiplies our good. Now, we've heard that in a variety of ways of of, of saying, you know, what we 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 put a prayer out and it's returned to us back a thousandfold or whatever. That's what it's saying and that's what it's meaning. As you give gratitude, it is heard, it is multiplied, and is given back to you. The good is given back to you according to how you receive it. And if you can receive it and willing to receive it and claiming it. So what and we sometimes, believe... Sometimes it comes back to you differently than what you pictured. Yes. And, and it's even better. And it's even better. Because the universe doesn't carry the limitations we carry. It carries tremendous abundance for each and every one of us. It's like... Sometimes in session work, I have asked people when we're working on their abundance, I've asked them, I'd like you to take a moment here, and maybe maybe our listeners could even do this, but take a moment and think to yourself or imagine or picture what you feel your container is to receive your good. You know, is it a mug? Is it a coffee cup? Is it a bucket? You know, what what is it? And so some people have said, well, you know, okay, I see, it's a bathtub. All right, so we'll work with that here. And so I'll take them, okay, now witness your bathtub is nice and full of all your prosperity and good health and all that you desire. But over here, and I'm putting my hand up right now towards the sky, nothing is separate from us, it's all connected, but I'm putting my hand up, is over here, Source has a, a, a airplane, a airplane hangar full of good waiting for you, but you've only, but but it can't come to you because you only have a bathtub to put it in. <laughs> and so I encourage people then to imagine that their their space of receiving good is helping them, you know, helping them move into something greater and grander. The whole entire universe. But whatever you want to imagine, that it is so much more than what you are witnessing now. And that's, I'm not speaking of materialism, because materialism is ego-based. Ego is that part of us that feels it has to have more of whatever it chooses to have in order to be worthy, to be as good as other people. I'm talking about... Uh, the good that the universe brings, which is peace and happiness within ourselves, self-love, good relationships with our family members, and that can be um, a challenge for a lot of people. But it begins with us. Everything begins with us and how we create our own experience in this world. So if our if our large space to receive our good is receiving peace and health and happiness and financial security as humans need that uh, to live on this planet. 
um, and so on and so forth. You know, we, we are going to be content, but I think the greatest gift we can have is health and feeling peaceful and joyous within ourselves. You also have something else in your book that I love. You talk about the red stoplight story. Yeah. And I think it's a good one to go to at this moment. We talk about that. Yes, and, and, and thank you. Yes, I've used that for for a really long time as I work with clients because really basically I, I teach very strongly. This book is also doing this as well, teaching who and what the ego really is. And the ego, may I tell a quick little story by Jalaluddin Rumi? Sure. Okay, sure. Jalaluddin Rumi, a 13th century Sufi poet and Muslim mystic, was famous mainly for writing. He loved God so much. He wrote poetry and, and letters to God. But he wrote other things too. And this one little story here um, is an example as we're speaking of the ego. And it's called Keep Your Dragon Frozen in the Snow. <laughs> All right, so there's a self-proclaimed dragon hunter who went up into the tallest mountains in search of dragon. And he found one in a cave, frozen. Well, he drug that dragon down and down and down this steep mountain and placed it on the banks of the Euphrates. And he was standing in front of it as he's, as the, the townspeople were gathering and wondering who this person is, and he was self-proclaiming what a wonderful job he has done, but he wasn't noticing that behind him this dragon was thawing in the heat of the Baghdad sun. Well, the townspeople noticed, though, and their eyes were growing big, and they were panicked, and they were screaming and stampeding, and many were killed. The dragon hunter turned around to see what they were looking at, and he looked up and up and up into the face of this dragon, and it ate him in a single gulp. Now, every story has a moral, typically. And so we get to look that this dragon is is a representative, a metaphor for our low self, i.e. the ego. And it is important to keep it frozen in self-discipline because if it is allowed to thaw, it not only will eat us up in a single gulp, but it will chew us up, spit us out, bury us, and dance on our grave. The ego is a destroyer. And I'm not speaking of that magnificent uh, divine soul ego that demonstrates the very light within each of us. And I'm not referring to our personality ego, which is that part of us that expresses from a loving center. I'm referring to that ego that is um, negative, that comes from the dark side. It is demonstrated in our world in poverty and and um, uh, and, and such uh, anger and abuse towards each other, war, um, negative speaking and, and gossip. Gossip is ego. Uh, materialism is ego. Criticizing and judging, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so in my work and in the book, I help to identify for people to empower themselves through identifying how the ego acts out in their life. And it it acts out in every single area. Now, how do we keep it away? And so this tool then of the stoplight is for us to be able to, once we witness that ego, is to take our own personal power back 
and say no to that ego. Um, say stop first and and know and and watch that ego then use your use your powers of imagination and send that ego use the cave use the dragon as an example and see the ego being frozen right into that cave now life is such that we're steeped in negativity here when we speak of the ego, I want to mention, too, many call it by different names, such as the dark side or the devil or the enemy. All of that is representing the same kinds of energy of destruction and challenge. And so the stoplight is very, very useful when used. But, if, of course, if it's not used, it's not going to assist. So it is about uh, practicing but that is, yes, it's a very powerful tool, and when we feel empowered, we're going to feel safer in the world. So now we don't ego, have to... Actually, does that create fear? I'm sorry? Does the ego create fear within us? Yes. Uh, I think ego and fear are the exact same thing, really. Um, when we look at the acronyms of edging God out, ego, of course, it's saying, you know, ego doesn't want us to to identify the light in whatever we call it, God or the universe or source or whatever by any name. Ego is all about the fear, and there's a lot of acronyms uh, uh, identifying what fear represents, but I see the F-E-A-R as false evidence appearing real. Ego wants us, it lies, it lies. And, and and it wants us to believe what it says. When we believe what it says, that we are our disease, or that we were born poor and we will always be poor, whatever it is telling us, we don't, we, you know, we're born from the light. I heard this recently, it's nothing new, of course, but we're we're born from the light, the God energy, and when we die, we go back to the light. Well, my philosophy is I want to live in the light all the way in between, too. <laughs> People believe, you know, that life is a struggle, that it must be difficult. That's a lie that ego tells. God did not bring us here or uh, or help us uh, make the decision. I believe it's a choice we come to this lifetime. I believe in past lifetimes, and I believe that we choose when we come back into another physical experience so that our soul can continue to grow, come in in the light, live in the light for the entire period of time, and we're here to help others. We're here to serve our source by any name and to help help other beings find the light and live in peace and light. Well, we're a demonstration of that because we've also worked on ourselves, but we're born more than likely, most everyone I've ever worked with, and myself included, we're born into families that are very ego-based. And, of course, from those generations that weren't living like we are now in the awakening and the the times of shifting and the, the learning about spirituality and our choices in life. But anyways, they okay, they did the best that they could, However, by coming into a world that is ego-based and being raised by people in great fear, and then as we move out into the world as a child, we're going to 
public school where a lot of other children are as well that were more than likely raised in fear along with the teacher um and 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 then and then if we go on at any point into the religious organized religion which is all fear based it's going to continue then we're told to go through school and college et cetera et cetera that it's going to be a tough time for you out there so you know it I believe in speaking in positive ways, and and I help people learn to shift verbiage, terminologies, where we can still tell our story, but in a way that does not recreate it. Well, so the stoplight assists in our paying attention to what we're saying, how we're behaving. Um, witnessing that ego attempting to get us triggered into behaving in a in a very negative way. So using that tool of putting the dragon in the cave will be a very helpful one for everyone. Um, and and mine has diminished through the years to where now I see it as a little niblet pea, frozen pea up in that cave, because I have become more and and see power is not a bad word that is not negativity unless it's misused and then it would be what ego's doing with it but personal power when we are empowered that god wants us to feel empowered not to be boundaryless and powerless and and sick and 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 down into the negative energies of ego. So as when we you're empower, within, pardon. When you're when you're in your power, it's like life is ma- becomes magical. It does, doesn't it? Yes, we're manifestors. Every single person is manifesting, whether they know it or not, consciously or subconsciously. And so that means if you pay attention. You can be manifesting along with the light energy, and that's the magic. That's when our dreams come true. That's when we walk that path that our soul is desiring, that dream within us, what we long to do. Whatever that magical thing is within us we were born with, and maybe it was snuffed out at some point but it's still there. You know, recently I just I just saw and I <clears throat> excuse me, we've interviewed with Dr. Bruce Lipton. Uh-huh. And um and also um s- several other people. And what um I just ran across an article that says Russian scientist proves human speech alters DNA. Oh, yes. And um I thought, you know what, if people just could realize it it's like, you know, I have health in a positive mode. Say that I have beautiful health. It's not like you're sick, but I have beautiful health. So you're yeah. altering your thought, your speech, and your. Uh, it's like the Indians when they made rain. You know, the, their prayer was, "Thank you, God, for the rain." Yeah. <laughs> so it was already done. You know. That's exactly um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens even faster than we can imagine that it's already being created out in the universe and coming to us to the level we can accept. 
so those Indians dancing and 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 uh, claiming the rain, they're ready to receive it, and it comes, and they enjoy it, and and, and it fertile uh, it it assists in all that they do. <clears throat> Excuse me, and that's the way. It can be in our, that. That is the way of the life. It uh, as it is when we are in our spiritual center within us. And and some people get mixed up in regards to being spiritual or religious. And I feel that there's quite a difference. I feel that religion is man-made and fear-based, and that spirituality is is God-made and love-based. Religion is out there and teaches separatism, that God is not within us. We're not good enough for that, it teaches. Spirituality is knowing that it's an inside job and that we are God in form. We are expressing from that that center of light. That's what we're meant to do, at least, and people get to find their way and and move into that and become one with that energy. We don't it doesn't have to be through a church or through um uh, an old paradigm at all. But be under a tree. That's exactly right. That's how Buddha did it. Yes. Under the Bodhi tree. <laughs> but it but you see with all of that with with Buddha, with Jesus yeah, the great teachers and masters and mystics, etc., they all found it within themselves. It being that spirituality, that God energy. They might have spoken to it in a different way, but they all went within. The beauty of Jesus, I feel, is that it that he knew the importance of having this energy that he called the Father, that we call God, in his life. He knew that he was a manifester and that that meant using it for good and using it in total knowing that that God is in charge and that we build a relationship, honor and love that energy as ourself. I don't remember ever reading, and I'm certainly not a Bible scholar, but I didn't read that Jesus walked around in victimhood, a poor me mentality, or blaming God. No, he didn't blame God. He was teaching that we were all God. I mean, we're all a part of God. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, rewriting our thought system, how we think, it's really powerful. It it really it's fun to think that you can reprogram your your DNA just simply by words. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's so empowering and um and being able to to delve deeper into um knowing you know, just knowing what your thoughts were and where they can be and making that exchange easily because you realize that you have you have more control in your life and um it, it's just a blessedness you know how how to activate to activate and deactivate 
deactivate the bad genes, so deactivate um, those the programming that you've experienced earlier. You know, a lot of people have been through quite a quite a session of um, problems when they're younger, and as they grow older, they they don't quite know where to go. So, being able to know that you can rewrite those thoughts and rewrite and and trigger and ignite the genes, the DNA differently, that's just wow, exciting. And it's uh, just like your book, you know, it's just totally um, in the present time where we can we can do that. Well, Reverend Judy, do you believe in journaling? Oh yes, I really do, because what it allows is some of that some of that uh, subconscious energy to come to the surface. Um, maybe those thoughts that we wouldn't allow to come up and because we don't really want to face them. We, we want to ignore what isn't working. But the journaling, once we really get into it, it isn't – I tell people it's not like keeping a diary. It is about writing down your emotions and feelings and what has triggered you today, let's say. And when I say that, I speak of was the ego triggered today? You know, in the sense of if you were angry at somebody, you write down. You can you can rehash the story if you want, but it is really how. What is your perception of it? What is the perception of the events of the day? How did you interpret it, and what did you do about it? Did you take responsibility for your own behaviors? That's what we want to get you to, but to journal in the first place and allow. Um, that action of releasing energy, especially negative energy, of course, from the body. And, the, and, and by journaling, it also allows, this, uh, like, like I said, subconscious information to come forward that you might not have fully realized was there or memories to come forward. So it's an effective tool as well. well I, I have so many like journals when I go back, on the shelf. I'm sorry? When I go back and read some of my journals, um, mm-hmm. I see... Uh, how silly it was that I was thinking that way and how I actually uh, came out of it and it wasn't negative anymore. So I can look back and see what I've, you know, done. So that's what I enjoy about the journaling, how far I've come. Yes. It's very it's very powerful in that, in that way. Um, and when I read some of my old journals, I go, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, no wonder my life was the way that it was. And But, but that's okay because we're, we can always um, take a step forward every single day into a different way. It might not feel comfortable to begin with because it's new and different, but see what it's like to be out in the world taking responsibility for your own behavior, what you're manifesting, and witness how you're behaving towards all other people and and what do you see um coming from them as they look at you you know if we open our eyes to see are they are how are they responding are they backing off and moving away because we're so negative or are they wanting to be with us because maybe we don't have boundaries and and intuitively they're picking that up and they're going to take advantage of it. So are we are we really tapping into the egoic energy that's out there and perpetrating it? Or 
are we coming from the light, holding the light presence? It doesn't mean we're better than anyone else. It just means that we have an understanding what the universe is about, the principles of the universe, or the laws of the universe, and that we're practicing them. And then we can see, for example, the law of attraction. When we're out there in the world with people, whether it's at work or grocery shopping or whatever we're doing, how are we behaving and what type of people or how, what kind of response do we get back? So what we put out is what we get back. If we're negative and blaming and argumentative and complaining and judging, the universe well, is okay. I, to, to, I'm sorry. The universe is okay to that as quickly as it says okay to the light. But what we get back is more of the negative if we're negative. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I have a friend that's complaining all the time about these crazy drivers. They run her off the road. They're just crazy. And I said, "Oh, I don't have. I don't run across crazy drivers." And uh-huh. she said, "You don't. They're out there." And so I think that's an example of she's expecting them, and I'm not. Exactly. And so she's finding them. She knows. Yeah, she knows where they are. She's probably one of them. <laughs> well, I I still go back to the thought that you know God doesn't criticize and actually this whole planet we came down here to uh it's our school. Yes. And looking within and checking out uh what our progress is. We all want to do the best that we know how to do. I it's I, you know what I I really believe that people really want to do the best that they possibly can. And um it just takes a process and it might you might bump your nose two or three times on the same thing, but eventually the um you you get the point. Eventually you get the point in going, Oh, you know, I you know, I'm so glad I get to see it. Yes, and, and you know, it's an old cliche that, you know, we don't want to blame everything on our childhood, but we get to really re- understand that that which we are immersed in when we first come into this lifetime, how people look at us, how they speak to us, um, and and as we're learning how to be out in that world, whether it's a safe place or not. And so my clients that come will tell me stories, and of course my own are shared in there too in that book, but, you know, it may have been very limiting, if the the particular generation or those particular people were not ones to show um, us as children affection, to hold us, to caress us, and and be safe for us, and be present in every way, we're not going to be able to give that to anyone else. We can't give what we don't receive. Now we can relearn, like what you're saying, when we really begin realizing we're not happy. We didn't have a good role, good role models to show us how to take responsibility for our own behavior and not blame and shame. I don't run into people who were taught how to be so positive in the world. I think the children of today have much more of an opportunity because their parents are working on themselves. And, of course, we know that's not 100%. The percentage is much lower. 
Remember the old saying, children are to be seen and not heard? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's how I was raised. Yeah. And because I was raised that way, unfortunately, that's the way I raised my son. And, And I remember there a program came out. My son was probably, in my mind's eye, I see him like maybe, I don't know, five, six, seven years old maybe. And this program came out called Children Are People Too. And I remember saying, that's ridiculous. They are not. In, <laughs> in the presence of my son. Well, I didn't begin my awakening process and a journey of let's say recovery in a sense until I was in my 40s and so you know my son was an adult and I apologized to him and very seriously apologized to him that I didn't know any better we can't give what we have not what we don't have within us (laughs) and so it is different now for thank goodness you know for for I'm grateful for my own uh, desire, my soul's desire to grow and learn and change so I can be different with my grandchildren, and someday my great-grandchildren, and all children that I meet. Yeah. Any of my clients are little children. There is a statement or a little um, uh, quote from Joseph Campbell in your book, and it, he says, the privilege of a lifetime is being who you are. Oh, yes. I think that is so beautiful. We are speaking with a Reverend Judy Miller Dinst, and she is the author of A Conversion from Mind to Soul. And your website is. Do you want me to say it? Or are you yeah, reading? But, okay. Um, it is themysteryschool.org, and so you do have to put in the word the, T-H-E, mysteryschool.org. Great. And that speaks to where people can read um, my biography, and a lot of the material in there is for the classes that I that I teach. I'm, I'm pretty well semi-retired. I'd say more close to retired on the teaching of the classes now because I've been teaching these things for about 20 years. And so now my teachings are actually moving to the pulpit, let's say. And being a minister, I I spoke this past Sunday at the Unity of Boulder, uh, 9 o'clock a.m. and 11 o'clock services. And that not only promoting my book, but also being uh, out into the spiritual communities and centers and so forth as I speak to these teachings, awakening people um, to their power. You know, it's Will really you be taking a book tour? Will you be Pardon? going on a book tour? Will you be going uh, on a well, book tour? Well, I, I'm doing my own, let's say, uh, because it, I did self-publish. And so um, I have contacted all of the um, Unity churches and Science of Mind churches here in uh, Colorado, and I'd like to expand from that, but beginning here in, in this home state, and uh, as well as con- contacting you know the media in all the different forms to be able to speak to the book and to the work. 
you know, as we we grow and shift and change, I in my experience, the, the and we allow uh, the source, the universe, to use us according to what we know how to do, and how, therefore how to bring forward. Um, uh, yes, the empowerment and, and, and self-love and these opportunities for people the way we best can. So whether it's through, some people do it through body work or some people just doing it by being kind to others. There's yeah. no right or wrong or a better way. But like you, yeah. the two of you are doing and bringing so many beautiful messages out into the world is powerful and a beautiful way to serve. Thank you, Judy. You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, Paula and my comment is we cannot not do what we are doing. (laughs) (laughs) It's like it triggers our soul. Um, Yeah. And so people might say, how do I know what my soul wants? Well, you know what? What makes you, like, ecstatic? (laughs) Yeah. It makes you enthusiastic. It makes you want to live. It gives you a beautiful thread to just, um, interweave with your life every day, uh, you know, and and Judy, your book is just definitely a beautiful book to uh, to pull down and go into depth into your life and and relook at your uh, pattern of what you want to bring more into your life about. Yes, and what's wonderful about it, there's meditations that people can use. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's tools within the book. So not only is it giving a great message, it's helping people learn uh, to actually bring that into themselves. So thank, thank you so you much I... for being with us. Well, you're very, very welcome. It's my honor. Well, we have um, had great joy having you with us. Uh, for mm-hmm. sure, and um, so everybody, stay in your heart, head through <laughs> the back soul, and get going. <laughs> yes, and absolutely. Have, and have Judy, Reverend Judy, have fun sharing your book. Thank yeah. you. Yes, <laughs> it's going to flow very easily. Thank yeah. you. I have a friend who is envisioning that I'm going to be on Soulful Sunday with Oprah one day, <laughs> and I laughed and I said, <laughs> "Okay, you get to come with me." To Chicago. (laughs) She said, I will. I'll carry the luggage. (laughs) We'll see you in Chicago. (laughs) Yeah. Let us know. Let us know when you're on. (laughs) Okay, dear. Thank you so much. Uh, God bless. God bless. Uh Namaste. Bye-bye. Namaste.